Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Derrida, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, July 9th, 2017. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. We live in a time where we personalize so much and we wear our feelings on the sleeves so much that we try to make everything about us. What we think, what we feel, what we like, what we don't like. I could make the case that by looking at the news we may have slowly started to become a world of world-class fit pictures where if we don't get our way we start, as we would say down on the bayou, boudin a little bit here and there. And yet these hymns remind us of the stories of the faith, the ones that, have, that still echo over these walls. I don't care how many times you renovate this space, you hear the echoes and the building. Because what goes on here is not about you and me, but it's about God. As I was visiting with a friend of mine in Lake Charles this week. He was, we were talking about stories. He asked me what I was preaching on this Sunday. And I, point, I gestured to uh, First Methodist Lake Charles, which is where my roots are. And I said, the beautiful thing about that church is it stands on its heritage, but it does not worry about perpetuating what has always been done. What it perpetuates is the story of God's grace and love of whatever vehicle that may present itself. And this hymn that we sang this morning to start our service, we have a story to tell to the nations, is a great reminder for us. And the thing that's really neat is if you look at the whole span of human history, that hymn that we sang this morning is a contemporary hymn. Because it was written only five years before this church was founded. That goes back to 1896. And it was written as part of the revivalistic nature of American evangelical Christianity during that era from the 1850s up to, you could say, about the 1920s. There was lots of fervor about the Christian faith, about the right and wrong. Remember, in 1896, we were only 31 years after the Civil War. And there was still lots of conversation about where was God in the middle of all this. Over 600,000 dead, I'm not sure anybody wants to really answer that question. But all these things, this hymn, this beautiful song, the ode to joy that Mary played to bring us together, they're all symbolic of a bigger story of God's love. Reminded this morning, though, sometimes we can get stuck on details 
and then a great story will have us going one way and then it will stop us. I remember in 2002 when Aaron and I came back to the Lake Charles District for the first time. We were out at Wiscachita uh, at a preacher's welcome dinner. It was overjoyed. It was the first and last time we didn't have a bringing a dish because we were the new people in town. And we were sitting there with our with my dear friends Virginia and Henry Bowden. And I know many of y'all know Henry and Virginia. Henry stood in this sacred space at one time as the pastor. Virginia was my Sunday school teacher when they were in Lake Charles and. Uh, Doug Ezel loves to tell stories. And so he asked us to tell a story. We're sitting there, and I'll never forget, Henry and Virginia were sitting right across the table from me and Aaron. I think Virginia just wanted to know what kind of woman would actually put up with me to marry me, but that's a different sermon. But here's the thing. I stood up and told a story. I said, we have moved into the Kinder Parsonage. Aaron had the Kinder at Oberlin Parsonage. I said, we only moved in Tuesday at 2 o'clock. And here we are sitting at Wiscachita at 5 o'clock on a Friday, and our house has already been broken into. We hadn't been in town three days, and our house had already been broken into. I mean, we didn't have much at that point. We had, you could fit half a U-Haul. We could have we uh, subletted the U-Haul and hauled somebody else down here. That's how little stuff we had. But we had to have the U-Haul because of Aaron's piano, which she plays every day. But again, different story. However... I stood up and I told the story about how we have been broken in. And sweet Virginia Bowden, one of the all-time great saints that I have ever met. I think about her every day. Her jaw dropped. She says, you don't, you don't say. And I stood there and I said, yeah, our parsonage has been broken into. Because Aaron and I locked ourselves out and I had to take the back door off. <laughs> I had, to, I had to take the sliding glass door off, and you should have seen, those of you that know Virginia, you should have seen the look on her face. It was great, but those stories capture us. They capture who we are. I want you to think for a minute about stories. Because at the end of the day, that's what we trade in here. That's who we are as a church. We tell stories. And we tell the greatest story, which has at its center not us. It does not have any pastor in front of it. It does not have any church member. It does not have any musician. It does not have any building. It does not have any denomination. But the, old, the stories we tell are sub-stories of one big story. Of God's love for all. And the story we tell is found most succinctly and the Great Commission as was read here. The Great Commission that says to us, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I think especially at this point in our church's history, we may, want, we may do well to go back and ask ourselves, what stories are we telling today? What stories are we telling as God's people? What stories are we telling with the lives that we live? What stories are we telling by our actions and our attitudes? Sam, you'll like this story. When I was nine years old, I was sitting on the balcony at First Methodist Report. It was the associate pastor's last day, a great guy named Jeff Shaw. And I had a brand new wristwatch on my hand. And Shab started preaching. And started preaching. 
that started preaching. Did I mention he started preaching? Alright, I'm nine years old here. The man's going on and on and on. And it's the second row of the balcony at First Methodist, right there in the middle. Jim could have seen me. I finally stood up, pointed to my watch. I, I'm surprised I didn't have shoulder surgery as fast as my hand was. Don't you dare try to do that to me either. But, you know, it's funny as we were reflecting on that story, and mom and dad loved to tell that story. I don't know why. They usually do it after they've worshipped with us for some reason. But, dad told me, he says, remember son, we're not there on our time. We're there on God's time. And what goes on there is not about what we do, but it's about what God is doing. It's not about anything other than the people of God gathered to worship God. And as we look at this great commission, I think it would do us all well because there are five specific things. And we're going to go through them relatively quick, so buckle up. But we do have a story to tell. We have a story to tell to the nations. We have a story to tell that is full of hope, peace, joy, and love. And this story first is given to us by Christ. The first thing we must remember is we don't have to come up with this story. We do not have to find the words. Churches spend so much time thinking about methodology, thinking about preferences, thinking about practices, thinking about this, that, and the other. We don't have to come up with the story. The story is right there. The story is right there. The story is right here. The story is right here. It's a story given to us by Christ. So we do not have we do not have the pressure of having to come up with the story. Because you notice what he said, teaching them everything that I have given you. Ours is simply to be proclaimers of God's story. This story also involves our direct and intentional participation. This story involves our direct and intentional participation. You notice, now the eleven had gone to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. They went. They went. They followed. They made the decision to follow their Christ and their Lord. And they were direct and they were intentional about it. How much intentionality do we put into living out this story? How much intentionality do we put into it? How much of it do we try to slough off on others? How many times do we say, well, someone else can do that, or that's not my job, that's not my role, that's not my place, that's not my time. We all have an active participation responsibility in this. There's a reason why Jesus' last words as recorded in Matthew were to go, therefore, go! He didn't say sit here and listen and wait for a bunch of others to join you up. He said go and tell this story. Go and give the words. These are the words that bring life. Church, 
Let's ask ourselves, what is it that consumes most of our time? What is it that consumes most of our attention? What is it that consumes most of our emotion? What is it that consumes most everything in our lives? Let us remember, this story involves our direct and intentional participation. Jesus never forced anyone to follow him. It's quite clear he gives us a choice. And elsewhere he told the disciples, if you try to be one to follow me and you try to tell this story, your life is not going to get easier. In fact, it's going to get harder. Which is why I think it is so important for us to be intentional about our role in telling this story and telling about all these things. But this story also transforms lives like none of them. This story transforms lives. You notice what Jesus said. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. Makes us ask ourselves, are we making disciples? Are we making people whose lives are transformed? That's the wrong question to ask. The question is, are we facilitating the transforming work of God in Christ? Are we facilitating, are we encouraging, are we directly participating in God's transformative work? Or do we get hung up on things that have no bearing on that whatsoever? How do we live this life? Make disciples, and for someone to become a disciple means their lives have been transformed. And there's disciples of many things. There's disciples of ideology. There's disciples of religion. There's disciples of politics. There's disciples of... Uh, you can use that word in a hundred different ways. But a disciple is someone whose life has been transformed to the point that they follow a specific person and a specific path. The story that we tell is not just a history story to make people feel good. One of the reasons why I tell parents the most important pastor in your child's life is not the one behind the pulpit, is the one that touched them in at night. Because if our children don't see us as disciples, how in the world do we expect them to become disciples? The story has to be told. But this story also points towards God's gracious love in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. This story points towards God's gracious love in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is not about us. Baptism is about God's work in us. There is a reason why we follow in the Wesleyan tradition baptizing all who are presented who have those who will nurture them in the faith. Scripture is quite clear that entire households were baptized. And baptism is nothing if it is not the work of the Holy Spirit. And that baptism is nothing if it is not the declaration of God's saving work. The reason we use water in baptism is not only because water is a life-giving 
elements of nature, but also by diving into water, water also can be the death. Water represents cleansing. Water represents transformation. So when we engage in the Great Commission, when we engage in telling the story, we're engaging and pointing others towards God's gracious love in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then finally, here comes the last part, and I think the most important part of the Great Commission as it relates to the work of the church today. The absolute most important part of the Great Commission as it comes to our personal discipleship, as it comes to our family's discipleship, as it comes to our transformation. This story is one that we tell with Christ as Christ is with us every step of the way. It is a story we tell with Christ. So often we try to say to ourselves, I don't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to say it. I wouldn't know what to do. I can't be sent out there on my own. Good news is, as we saw in the first point, we don't have to make up the story. The story is given to us in Christ. And the last point we need to remember is there is nothing that God calls us to that God does not equip us for and that God does not accompany us through. There is nothing to which we are called that we have not been prepared and that we do alone. How much would it change our lives if we embodied the reality that it's not ours, but it's Christ? How much would our lives change in our community and in our world if we lived out the Great Commission? But how much would it live, be so recognizably transformed, especially if we grabbed the first and the last? Imagine how much our lives would change. Imagine how much revival would come to our churches if we realize that this is a story that is given to us by Christ and is a story that we are taught to tell not on our own, but with the confidence that the Lord God is with us every step of the way. And this, my friends, is the word that I share with you today. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First United Methodist Church of Deritter, Louisiana. Find out more about us at fumcderitter.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash fumcdr. Have a blessed day.